Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners, founders, and executives from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. In today's episode, Rania Barakat, CEO of CRM Toolbox, joins the show to talk about the major transitions, pivots, and inflection points her team has navigated over the last few years. If listeners remember from our earlier episodes, Rania used to be the CEO of IDS Agency, a LATAM-based full-service agency. However, today, IDS has become CRM Toolbox, a firm offering migration, integration, and complex onboarding services. My conversation with Rania starts with the why and what sparked the change in name, the pivot in services, and the reclassification from a LATAM to a North American HubSpot Solutions partner. She discusses the rebrand itself, how she rolled out the new brand identity, and how she alerted both the broader market and her existing client base. We then dig into her team's service offering and what that meant for old services, uh, her legacy marketing services, her team, and her existing client base. And as Rania goes on to share, they found new homes for over $27,000 of monthly recurring revenue and the team that supported that business line. Rania also shares the impact this had on sales, including how prospecting, her channels for sourcing business, and her pricing methodology have now all changed as well. We wrap on strategy and what the new client experience looks like working with CRM Toolbox. Rania shares the team's approach uh, and how they define client problems, how they go on to understand tech stacks and data structures, how they design and plan solutions, and then how they architect it inside of and around HubSpot. Are you thinking about a rebrand or considering a pivot from your current services, your target markets, or your focus areas? And if you are, then you're in the right place with Agency Unfiltered. Hi, Rania. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. Back to Agency Unfiltered, but welcome onto the podcast. How, how have you been? How are you? I am well, Kevin. Thank you for having me again. Good to see you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly been a while. You can tell that it's been a while uh, because when we last spoke, uh, you were living in a different country. Uh, your, uh, your agency, your business name was different uh, and it, a whole other slew of factors. Um, so how... How have things been and uh, what's what's new? What's the latest and greatest? All righty. So you're right. A lot has changed. Um, our company's changed. Our service offerings changed. Our name has changed. Our region has changed. Where I live has changed. So, yeah, lots of change. As they say, it's the only constant. Um, only constant has changed. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think I, I also realized I'm the kind of person when everything around me is familiar, I get bored. Sure. Yeah. You want to <laughs> you want to shake it a little, shake the branch. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So what's changed is we we are now CRM toolbox. We used to be IDS agency that was a full service inbound marketing agency, and back in June. 2021 mm-hmm. was the day that we officially made that switch 
Of course, there was like six months of groundwork before that. So I can say starting... We can't discount the work before June 2021, I'm sure, to make that switch. That's fair. Well, it, it was quite a heavy ride. It actually, to be honest, it all started back in October 2019, even before COVID. I used oh, wow. to live in Chile. We yep. were IDS agency. And for the second time in my life, <laughs> I got to experience social unrest. Yeah. Chile broke up in protests and it was yeah. like all of this stuff going on. And so we thought, okay, a good pivot would be let's go physically open offices in Colombia and Mexico and Peru, which we actually did uh, between December and February. And then yeah, come wow. March 2020, our good friend COVID hit and that was like, poof. Yeah, you know, it blew we up had those plans. Yes, gone. It was like totally gone. The good news, though, is because we were remote since 2018, and it was kind of like mm, a bit weird. Are you sure? Mm. Is this a real agency? When it became the default that remote is the way forward. Uh, yep. It kind of gave us this like um, spring somehow that you know what well, we can do so much more now. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. We used that momentum of that backwards pull that came with COVID yeah. to change what we were doing instead of offering full inbound marketing. Mm -hmm. We took this very brave decision to double down on just migrations, integrations, and complex onboardings into HubSpot. And that's where we are. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, with a name like CRM Toolbox... Uh, yes, the hypothesis, at least on my side, was yes, migrations, integrations, connecting systems, making sure data flows between, you know, technologies, et cetera, et cetera. So sounds like that's where you uh, are now placing your time and energy and focus. Um, was that was that always something you had uh, as an offering and now you're doubling down on it? Did you have to learn and think about like just how to tackle this as a brand new service offering? Like how did you pull through any existing familiarity into this pivot of or in change of uh, service offerings? So great question. We used to always offer uh, migrations and integrations because like my partner is a software engineer and mm -hmm. our CTO. So he was always running that side of the business. And we started the agency back in 2014 doing inbound marketing. So it wasn't really learning a new mm. service. It was more unplugging the most time consuming, the most stressful, <laughs> the most everything service so that we could make room to expand uh, and change our whole business model, actually, so yeah. that we could do that. So it was almost clearing the way uh, for more of that type of work, the work that you wanted to do, the work that you wanted to grow into. Uh, that's interesting. How did how did those uh, how did those decisions get made? So it sounds like obviously you were full service. You offered marketing services, inbound marketing, a traditional marketing agency. What did that pivot mean for uh, your existing clients? Oh, that's a tough one. It meant uh, it meant a lot. It meant we had to a break the bad news to them, and no okay. client likes to be told, hey. I could no longer service you. It's yeah. like, what do you we mean? You don't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it was very hard actually at the time to explain that it's it's not you, it's me kind of sure. thing. Um, so what it meant is the customers that we were doing inbound marketing for, what we did is we split the service into two. So anything related to automation, mm -hmm. you know, once you have all of your digital assets created and all of that. We actually still do that. It's one of our ongoing HubSpot support services. 
and what we actually had them um you know rehire another agency to do was the whole content creation the social media the ads the videos you know all of that very very heavy lifting uh on the marketing side and the way we approached it so that we don't cause friction is of course as we were letting go of our clients we also had to let go of a big chunk of our team mm. that was doing the folks that, that owned service. those services sure sure yeah so the way that we managed it was our resource that was heading our content she spun off her own boutique content agency that's great and so to make it frictionless for customer and for team it's like hey so this person was doing your content anyway you're still going to be working with them that's perfectly fine they're going to be doing it for you and we will only be focusing with you on this part of the business so we gave up um it was $27,000 of managed MMR in HubSpot, mm. like HubSpot managed. A substantial uh, amount, sure, yeah. It was, it was so hard and difficult to let go. And like every every mentor I spoke to would be like, are you sure you want to do this? And they're like, why don't you build up your other, you know, the whole migrations, integrations, then let this go. And I was sure. like, no, <laughs> if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Pull them, you know, pull them plug kind of thing. And they were like, okay. And the reason I, I wanted that is mm. like, I'm a firm believer. If you're going to start something new, you got to go all in. Sure. You know, you can't have your leg in both ponds because it's it's kind of like taking off the plaster slowly. Mm-hmm. It kind of hurts more than just ripping it off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we hooked up our customers with, uh, you know, our resource that did this content agency. We kept the ones that wanted us to help them with the marketing automation. And the other ones that were not happy with the decision, we paired them with other agencies in LATAM. Um, that was also very interesting because, you know, I'd call up agencies. I'm like, Hey, I have a customer for you. They're like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're not a bad, yeah. they're a great customer. It's just not, they, we don't offer what they're looking for anymore. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how we made it like, try make it as frictionless as possible. And we also introed our, our team that we were letting go of to other agencies in Latam because we all know hiring is hard. Sure. So it's good to just, you know, share your awesome people, mm-hmm. fantastic resources with other great agencies. How long uh, was this process, right? From time in which you've alerted clients to the transition out to either keeping them on what like the new services or like the automation you mentioned versus placing them with new agencies. There was a lot of moving factors here. How How long uh, was that process start to finish? So it took two quarters for us to take the decision. Like I raised the flag maybe in July 2020 when I started to like uh, COVID lockdown was really getting to me. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I was frustrated. I wasn't enjoying it. And so that's when I started raising the flag with my partner. Like, you know what? Something just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. So it was a very scary decision. So it took two quarters to actually take make that decision and it's then, a big decision to make too right so you yeah. want to treat it with care you know sure yeah and then so that was in july 2020 then come uh, q1 2021 we knew that we were making this pivot and we worked on all of the groundwork from q1 and q2 2021 to make that shift and that shift included 
rebranding, launching our new website, um, creating all of our documentation and internal processes to only reflect these three new services uh, that we were focusing on. Mm-hmm. And because we're only doing those three services, we really went into depth to like maximize what our clients get, what our assets, content, etc. So it was two quarters of should we do it, should we not, should we do it, should we not? And it was a two quarters of, okay, we're doing it, and here is the plan on how we're doing it. And uh, the in June and July 2021, those were eight weeks of you know, signing off customers, handing them to other agencies, handing off team, etc. And then come August 1st, 2021, we were full on. Uh, migrations, integrations, complex onboardings. And what we did, because we had a lot of brand equity with the name IDS Agency. That's right. So instead of like letting it go and people being like, who's CRM Toolbox? Never heard of that. Mm -hmm. We worked with um, the brand IDS Agency, but slowly, slowly started changing the colors. And then on December, it was New Year's, we spent it actually you know, making all of those final changes. So come Jan 1st, we were officially CRM toolbox. We changed region with HubSpot as a mm-hmm. partner, our CAM, our CC, everything. And so far it's been smooth sailing, great sailing. So it wasn't necessarily just an absolute switch to turn on and off from IDS to CRM toolbox, but some of the new brand identity began leaking through and then you use the change of the new year as like the official the official turn. Yeah, and we also shifted the language because we used to work primarily in Spanish, being an agency in the sure. Latam region. But our plan was also in January to you know leave the Latam region. So we had to, we used the six months prior to that, you know, to start blogging in English, creating everything in English, uh, and then eventually making that. You know, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to reshuffle the 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 services that we go to market with and we're going to, you know, deprioritize these. And we're gonna, like that's one thing. But then you also went through a complete rebrand or a, a refresh brand identity. But then you also changed the way in which uh, your your teams represented within like the HubSpot partner program geographically, the team you have built around you like that's there's a lot of different layers to this whole pivot. Um, yeah. So I can imagine there was substantial work there. It's it's been exhausting, but good. Uh, going back to services for a moment, you uh, I think you had mentioned twenty seven thousand of monthly recurring revenue. You uh, uh, found new homes for, uh, and then it sounds like the rest carried through. How did like as you started to rethink about like all right these new uh, services that we offer? We're going to document. We're going to get into the depth, the breadth, like what these mean. How did that impact things like? Uh, pricing, uh, and then maybe pricing for like, you know, legacy clients, clients that wanted to continue working with you versus new, like new prospects that you're looking to bring in. Was there a difference with pricing and go-to-market and services based on legacy clients versus new ones that you were acquiring? That was a very wordy question, but let me know if that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. There was a huge difference in pricing. Uh, A, with the region shift, like LATAM and North America are two completely separate worlds when it comes to pricing uh, and also the services. So what we did with uh, our legacy customers, they stayed on the pricing that they always had. We kept, you know, of course we cannot suddenly 
force them to pay North America rates. Um, and then what we did do is the more we started servicing North American customers and customers in Canada, <laughs> to be honest, talking about pricing, like back in Jan, when we our go-to-market strategy, we kind of went to the market with similar pricing, just a little increase. Sure. And then we had one HubSpot direct guy say, you know what, I'm in this really awkward position. And I thought, well, why? What's going on? You know, I thought, oh, what did I say on the call kind of thing? <laughs> and he's like, the prospect wants to know why you're so cheap. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, hmm, something Being an is inexpensive not- <laughs> option should never be the bad thing. But maybe it's, oh, too, it's like, OK, now we're weary because it's too low. Exactly. That is exactly what happened. And so then we thought, you know what, we need to take a better approach to our pricing in North America. And then we did. We actually did a lot of research. We, you know, approached it strategically. And then we completely changed our pricing for North America, Canada and Europe. And now we do not sell new services in LATAM except for our customers that are still with us because our focus now is the rest of the world, primarily in English. What did what did that process look like recalibrating pricing for uh, North America or Canadian U.S. based clients? Like you mentioned some research components. What what did that process entail? So first thing was understanding what is your pricing per hour, like you know Latam versus U.S. Big 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 difference. The other thing is there's a value adder that more advanced markets are aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you talk about a migration, it's not how many hours it takes to migrate the data, but it's actually what is the value that this data is going to provide to you once you have it in HubSpot. Sure. And that is a conversation I can have with my prospects and my customers. And it was very new to us because we never used to have uh, that when we were doing marketing or migrations, integrations in LATAM. So that was another one. And the other thing we did was we built tools to help us price. So instead of trying to hmm, guess, Mm -hmm. we like built tools. My partner put together like calculators and formulas that we fill in and it provides us with the range. So this helps help me sell faster because I can provide the range on the spot on the call. And also with HubSpot Direct, um, that also helped because they, Mm don't need to talk to me to be able to provide the pricing for the market. We're still um, relatively cheaper for the use of a better word than other agencies that do migrations and integrations. But I'm like a firm believer that, you know what, if we're profitable, my team is growing, everything is, you know, working well, let's just stay where we are for now. No need to jack it up all the way. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, uh, uh, kind of the, going on off of pricing, uh, going to market with the new services, the new brand, going into new regions. Um, how did the the prospecting or business development processes change? Uh, anything catch you by surprise? Uh, I can imagine, again, we're trying to go to market with new services, but we're also trying to expand into new regions. So what, what was the strategy there? Uh, initially, how did it go? Uh, and did you have to make any pivots to it as you learned? Oh, big time, big time. So prior to this pivot, we we were the really competitive agency that would never work with another partner because no, you know, kind of thing. And then what we realized with this pivot is 
inside the HubSpot ecosystem, my understanding is there are over 6,000 agencies today, sure. out of which more than 5,500 focus on marketing, which means those agencies need help when their customers say, hey, I want to get some data from this tool or I want to integrate with that tool because it's a, it's a service they don't provide. Yeah. So one of our biggest changes was we actually, um, one of our servicing is to support HubSpot partners. That was very new. So we built a whole strategy on how to build our partner network, which is working super well. Uh, it's almost 40% of our revenue today. Oh, that's so great. That was new. The other thing that changed, um, well, it didn't really change because we were always doing inbound for us as an agency. So the six months prior to brand switch, when we started creating all of that content and it got indexed, we managed to build funnel as well through inbound leads. So that was helpful. And there's two other things that we did going into the North American region with HubSpot is we built tools, like I mentioned, and solutions yeah. for HubSpot direct sales teams that need help only with migrations and integrations, not even the onboarding, just migrations, mm -hmm. integrations, as well as HubSpot uh, customer success teams, because there's tons of HubSpot customers that are already on HubSpot, but they need help with a migration or an integration. Sure. So what we did is we created four different like um, channels mm -hmm. for our funnel. One is HubSpot partners, one is our own inbound leads, one is HubSpot Direct, and the fourth one is the HubSpot customer service teams. Uh, how is that different from when we were IDS agency? Is it was all inbound leads? Yeah. Oh wow. So it's uh, the the introduction of new channels, right? And it's interesting that hey, you know, for a long time we were, uh, you know, we looked at other partners as competition, but now. You know, we need open lines of, you know, there's there's collaboration points in revenue to be had there. That's really yeah. interesting. And where um, it's really great is there's no conflict of interest because marketing agencies, they do not want to go near the whole They're truly complementary services, not like, you know, butting heads against each other, right? Exactly. And, and where HubSpot is going with the tool itself, being positioned mm -hmm. as that platform and the CRM, mm -hmm. of course, they're going to need to migrate or integrate. So it's better yeah. for the whole HubSpot ecosystem if we all work together. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to get into uh, strategies in your approach. Uh, I've been um, talking to a lot of folks about solutions designing, solutions architecture as it relates to migrations, integration. So I want to get into that in a moment. Um, but you had mentioned uh, channels uh, through HubSpot uh, direct reps and HubSpot customer success teams. I think uh, my hypothesis is that uh, more partners would love to establish those types of relationships. Any tips, tricks, recommendations uh, on how to strengthen the relationships with those types of teams inside the walls of HubSpot? So A, what you want to do is remove friction. You don't want to get them onto many calls because no one has time for that. You want to give them all the tools they need to be able to navigate their customers comfortably mm -hmm. and not more than three clicks. That's <laughs> one thing. Uh, two, you want to give them answers to their questions. Because migrations and integrations sound and are complex, you want to give them the answers to those really complex questions that they often get asked by their prospects. And so that's a lot of the assets that we created to help. And then you got to be a nice person, you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> discount that part, I guess, huh? Yeah, it, sure. it, 
it's it's a huge player because at the end of the day yes it's you know we're in technology but we're also in a business of people mm -hmm. you know and so the, the the nicer you are the kinder the more real the more genuine when it's a yes it's a yes when it's a no it's a no you establish these really strong strong bonds and now now that i'm thinking about it i'm like how did I make one of those relationships? <laughs> you know, yeah, like just um, be authentic and kind and just like a nice person to work with. And that usually sets yourself up. But also I really like the note about friction and you don't want to add in potentially unnecessary friction to a process that they're trying to move fast and expedite. And there's always a sense of urgency. So fitting into that seems like to, uh, a key yeah, I never try oversell. Like mm. HubSpot team get really frustrated if the partner comes in saying, oh, why don't you add this hub and why don't you do that? It's like, no, 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 no. Within the parameters that they've set, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's, that's definitely really helped. Uh, the other thing is um, there's the PUG, the partner user yeah, groups that HubSpot sure. launched. The community is an amazing resource. Um, it's all about being helpful. Sure. And adding value so that you as a person or you as an agency stays top of mind um, and, and you're done. It's kind of you know, like a core tenant. That's a core tenant of just inbound, right? Yeah. Just be helpful. Yeah. yeah it's a good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Connection. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, let's say uh, regardless of channel, uh, we've, we've acquired a new customer. They need help based on the services that you offer. Uh, what does, working with CRM toolbox look like? Uh, we've identified either an integration need uh, or uh, trouble with migration of data. What is what is kind of the early stages and what is working with you and your team look like uh, for these services? So what we see often, especially with migrations and integrations, is the prospect comes to you telling you what they need done, Right. I want to integrate this tool in this way to achieve that. So what we do is we ignore all of that. Yeah, the <laughs> perception of what needs to be done, but that's yeah. all we, yeah, it's, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's usually because our philosophy is less is more. The simpler, the cleaner, the better the data structure, the higher the adoption rate. Okay. So what we always do is we start by understanding the use case. Why is this important for your business? Why do you want that data in HubSpot? What are you going to use that data in HubSpot for? Who in your team is going to be using that data? And the more we understand the why, the better we are able to build that really custom solution that works for them. So step number one is not understanding how, but it's understanding why. What is the business problem that they're going to solve? We then move on and review and understand their tech stack, tech stack mm -hmm. and data structure. Because every company will have at least 20 different tools that they are using. Um, and so what we do is we want to understand like the bigger picture, like the whole flow of the data so that we know when we engineer it, how are we going to access the data? Is it a flat file? Is it database access? Is it mm -hmm. an API endpoint? And then once we have that info, we then analyze the different alternatives that we can do. Is it a native integration? Is it a semi-custom? Is it a mix? Like, how are we going to approach it? And we always work with our prospects building what we call solution planning. Mm -hmm. So we go in with an understanding of the why and the, and the tools. We engineer it for them and we, also, we always involve them 
in part of that solution planning, A, for buy-in, B, for commitment. Like There's many reasons that we do all of that. And then once we get our okay, we work milestone-based, uh, following that less is more philosophy. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, here's the solution that we're engineering. Here are the milestones. This is the timeline. Um, and then we also do a little extra bit is, once you have that info in HubSpot, that's when the job really starts. Right. You know, now what? what you, then what? Now what? Yeah, now what? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Does the team know how to access it, leverage it, right? Yeah. Segment with it, use it in dashboards, use it in lists, views, whatever, you know, push out to a third item like Power BI if mm-hmm. they want to do like really complex reporting with other systems. Um, so that's how we we approach it. It's a lot of documentation at the beginning, but yeah. it's the reason we do that is so that once we get that okay, one of our competitive advantages is getting it done fast. Mm-hmm. And the that's only great. way you can do that is if you have it all really clearly processed. When we're with our prospect as well, we always we always look for the problem. <laughs> Fair. You know, yeah, and you got to do that because sometimes, like, you you got to make their their sort of the light bulbs go. Oh, I didn't. Like what's think the about root that. the root problem, right, of what we're trying to do here? Yep. Yeah, or like, what happens um, if that property is not filled in? You know, and it doesn't get mapped. Then what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, it's very yeah. simple to say. Oh, I want to map this to this and this to this. Perfect. Okay. What if it's not there, or what if it's updated, or 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 you know, who's your source of truth? The kind, of, all of these yeah. questions that they kind of, and I can see it in their faces, like, oh, I didn't think of that, and that's where you add value, right? Because it goes it's back to not a note on pricing. It's the value of having the data here and there. Yep, exactly. Yep. It's not the human hours uh, at all, because there's some things you can get done in a day, some take a week. You know, we're also very agile in how we work. So we like to work in batches and small deliverables. Mm. Uh, And then that way you can actually move a cell faster. You can move a project faster. It becomes less overwhelming for the prospect, especially with big enterprise uh, where there's a lot of stakeholders, uh, different teams. So you got to like work it bit by bit so that, it you know, you can have your whole rollout done. Now, you had mentioned that uh, once the, the engineered solution is up and running, like that's when the real work begins. Where does, where does like training or like the change management component, frontline user adoption, like is that part of the, the scope uh, of, of CRM Toolbox as well? Do you, do you help with that as well? That's what we call our third service, which is our custom, our complex onboardings. So mm, that, got it. Now that we have that info in HubSpot, what are you going to do with it? Yep. And this is where we coach them, we train them. Sometimes we do actual setup for them and implementation, but it's more of a consultive approach that we prefer because we like to empower our customers instead of making them stick to us. Sure. There's some agencies where it's about keeping the customer. For us, it's more about empowering them through that yeah. knowledge. Uh, so once we have all of the data inside of HubSpot, we then move into that complex onboarding where we either train coach or do the implementation for them. And then there's the fourth service that comes on after it, which is your ongoing HubSpot support. And the reason that's very important when you have integrations is 
APIs change or there's errors or they want to put in a new object or, sure. you know, and all of that. So, yes, we do. We're agile. We work in small projects. They're quick projects, but customer lifetime value is long. Yes. Uh, and I would imagine that as you've kind of outlined it, the each service segues really nicely into the next service that you offer. Do you find that when you're talking to prospects or if you're folded into a sales opportunity with a HubSpot rep, are you packaging these services together right at the initial kind of statement of work or uh, is it more just organic continuation of this engagement, right? Are they packaged together up front or not, you know? It, it depends on the prospect. Some of them, we do the whole package up front and some we go with land and expand. Just go slowly. Let's not overwhelm them, you know. And and also, when you were doing migrations and integrations, you tend to work with a lot of IT teams. Sure. And usually IT teams want to keep it inside for security, for environment, for everything that comes with it. So you kind of want to do it in a way where you're not stepping on their toes because that adds friction. So what you want to do is you want to gain their trust (laughs) that it's okay. I can do it for you. I can be in your environment. I won't mess anything up and I can help you along the way. Um, So it, it really depends on the nature of the prospect, the size of the company, the stakeholders involved. Uh, is it one hub, multi-hub? Lots yeah. of variables that impact that. You know, it's an interesting point. Uh, you'd mentioned IT teams, right? A lot of changes for your agency, geo and focus areas and stuff, but it's, you're also dealing with a new set, like persona or subset of stakeholders, right? Like IT teams aren't going to be involved necessarily in like traditional marketing retainers, but certainly in these types uh, of engagements, right? Um, you had you had mentioned a couple tips there, but any any other learnings as it relates to engaging with and like working with IT teams as as decision makers, as stakeholders of, of these types of engagements? You like the most important one is they have to trust you. If they don't trust you, they are going to be like, "Mm, I'm not sure. Let's stick to imports. But there's better ways of doing imports because import is safe. I'll give you the file. You guys take it, do your thing. You know, Um, another thing that we did there is like because we've been doing inbound marketing and we do it really well is create the assets for them. Mm-hmm. So along the whole sales process, we have different assets that we share with our IT persona that they need to fill in, that they need to read, that they need to engage with. And this kind of makes them feel like, okay, this is safe. It's all mm-hmm. about that trust. Can I trust this company with our data and yep. with our environment? And if yeah. you get a yes, you're you're good to go. That's great. No, that's super helpful. Um, I think the last the last thing that I want to category will say, or just like the last area that I want to dig into is uh, the, the the team and the team's ability to execute upon this strategy that you've outlined. Now, candidly, I, I've been work I've been using like solutions architecture for or solutions design. You'd mentioned solution planning and engineering. My guess is I think we're talking about the same thing. How do you how do you build a team? Uh, that's capable of having these conversations, know what to pull out in the discovery, uh, knowing which integration options to use when we need to think of native versus no, this is actually a custom solution powered by APIs potentially. How do you develop a team that can that can execute upon this? So that's a great question. Prior to our pivot, the way we were structured was we had content marketers and then we had something called tech marketers. 
Mm. Okay. So mm -hmm. the content marketers is the team that, you know, did all the content that we had to let go of. And then our tech marketers, these are our resources that they know HubSpot. They've done over thousands of onboardings. And what we did, because my partner Izzy is a software engineer and our CTO, so they were put into bootcamp mm. on, to fill in that gap on how am I going to go from having this mindset of I set up HubSpot for automations, but I'm now actually looking at what HubSpot can do while it's connected to a ton of other tools. So we built this bootcamp. They were re-onboarded. We created all of our documentation. So that got our tech marketing team on par to delivering a world-class service. And we also, of course, had to hire additional resources uh, like, you know, programmers, developers, um, pre-sales engineers. Yep. And this is, this is, this is, these are resources that, that we did not have. And so we had to hire them. And the way we hired those is working with a specialized company mm. uh, that helped us find those specific resources to fill in that gap. That's great. Yeah, my read on the talent market today, and this has come up in a handful of uh, recent episodes, uh, it's, it, they're hard hard roles to fill. The level of technical expertise, uh, especially as it relates to upside, it can be difficult to find. And so you found like a, a, a recruiting or a sourcing partner to help help fill the gaps. Yeah, and what when we hire, we don't really hire like skill set is not what we would hire for. It's more mindset, sure. uh, potential and mindset. Yeah, yeah. Because to be a good uh, pre-sales engineer or to know how to do all of the integrations, you got to have that skill of identifying a problem, researching options, and then engineering a solution. Uh, so if you are unable to research, but you know HubSpot like the back of your hands, it's not going to work. Sure. You know, right. you can know the HubSpot API really well, but if you're integrating to over 200 plus tools, <laughs> you got to be able to learn everything about the other tools. It's not only about HubSpot. Right. Um, really so it's point. more of a mindset, uh, mm -hmm. a problem solving skill as opposed to skill. It's like soft skills, not hard skills. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's two different things here. It's yeah. Just uh, architecture and design and mapping it out. Um, but then, yeah, there's the, the expertise as it relates to each individual software. Right. And they are two separate skill sets that you're probably looking for here, yeah uh, or looking then, to develop yep yeah and because we have like really really detailed documentation and playbooks of how things are done it also helps those resources come in and they know how they have to build it like the crm toolbox way yeah but of course with their personal magic they their flair they their, their experiences yeah for sure yeah, exactly. And one other thing that we did so that we could stay a small team, and we did this intentionally, is we built tools to help us do migrations and integrations. So instead of needing to hire more people, as I grow and scale, mm -hmm. I actually don't need to do that. I just That's use great. my tools. That's great. That's a great, great way to scale. Yeah. Um, as we wrap here, Rania, one question for you. This feels broad. Uh, but there's been a lot of change from IDS to CRM Toolbox, and we've covered a few different uh, lenses of that change. Uh, if you were to, if you were time machined and you had to do it all again, 
What were the lessons learned? Is there anything you would change about the way in which you approached it that brought you here to today? Um, let me think. I think one thing I would have changed is probably done the whole part of pricing adjustment. Mm. I would have done that in the six months prior to shift as opposed to after shift. Um, I think that was one space that we could have done better and differently. Uh, apart from that, no, I would do it all over again and again. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah there's worse problems to have and say, no, actually, it went pretty smooth. We just had to, you know, increase our pricing a little bit there yeah. at the beginning. And, and, no. and learn, learn that that value, that part about the value in the pricing is what makes you stand out. You're different. Yep. Um, all right, Ronnie, last question for you. We wrap every episode with this question. Uh, what's the strangest part of agency life? Strangest part. Oof. Strangest part of agency life. And I'm not even sure life. if you consider yourself an agency anymore. Would you even strangest part of uh, my systems implementation life? Maybe it's a better question. I think one of the strangest parts I would, uh, not strange, like, Challenging, if I may use that word, is because we're servicing customers literally in any industry, because with migrations and integration, it's not like about marketing. Um, The amount of knowledge, (laughs) you know, that we have to take in is sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I've never seen this before. You know, the depth Uh, of knowledge that you need about a particular business, business or industry, for sure. On such a wide range of industries. But when we were doing, you know, marketing and all of that stuff, it was, you know, we work with higher education and finance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's less bucketed. Uh, it's less. It's like stricter, concrete verticals. It's more, yeah, just a wide range of different businesses. And just because there's just more types of businesses that need that type of help, right? Yep. Challenging and, yeah, that could be a little strange, depending on the types of businesses you work with. There's yeah. some strange layers to that. Uh, well, Ryan, that is, uh, that's it for me. I appreciate you coming on, walking us through the, the rebrand, the pivot, the change. Uh-huh. Uh, Obviously, there was a lot uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, and so thanks for, for sharing your story and, and sharing your experiences. It's been great. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kevin. And I hope this is helpful to any other agencies that want to make the move. Do it. Don't yes, be scared. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hopefully you've sparked or motivated uh, at least one business to go. You just take the leap. Take the leap. Because yep. as you mentioned, you just need to do it. That's great. Exactly. Um, So yes, thank you again for coming on. And for folks that have been tuning in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.